Hey, this is John Stamos, and you're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boy podcast with David Beard. Sponsored by Endless Summer I love this girl so tuned in to the radio She loves the jukebox and comes all unglued for the radio She loves to swing low in stereo style In love with me and her radio dial Oh, oh. she loves the radio Direct to her Listening to She Loves the Radio by the Bel Air Bandits. 
which Gary was a member of. And that's from their Baked Goods CD from 2001. And today we're going to be talking with Gary Griffin. Now, if you don't know the name Gary Griffin, don't fret, it's okay. But if you were to match Gary's abilities, his musical abilities and, and, and know-how, he ought to be a household name because he is that good. Now, recently, earlier this year, Gary released Sympathetic Vibrations, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today in addition to Gary's working with John Stamos on the song Forever that ended up on the Beach Boys' 1992 Summer in Paradise album. So that's just to give you an idea. Before we get started, I want to give you a little bit more of a background on who Gary Griffin is. In addition to multiple, multiple performances and recordings, Gary, after MIU, worked with, he was in the Jan and Dean Band, Worked with Mike Love and Celebration, the Celebration group from the late 70s. He then became a member of the Surf City All-Stars. And, of course, he was in Full House and Fuller House with John Stamos as a member of Jesse and the Rippers. No matter what the configuration of the other musicians were for Jesse and the Rippers, Gary has always been prominently featured. So he's always been in Full House, Fuller House, always worked with John Stamos, Beach Boys, Jan and Dean, Celebration, Mike Love's Endless Summer, Beach Band, uh, Surf City All-Stars, and then more recently, in 2015, Gary actually appeared in the Love and Mercy biopic as Al DeLore. If you remember the scenes, if you saw the film, if you remember the scenes of the flashback Pet Sound Sessions, that period, Gary was the gray-haired gentleman who worked side-by-side with Paul Denno playing Brian Wilson. That's Gary Griffin. So I hope that gives you enough of a visual to have an idea of who I'm talking about. Now, also, in the last 2016 and 2017, the last two years, Gary performed Pet Sounds in its entirety with the real Brian Wilson. So, there you go. So, now I'm going to get started. I wanted to talk to Gary to begin. We're going to talk a little bit about his new, his, his recently released Sympathetic Vibrations collection. But the first thing I asked him about was the song that we just heard, She Loves the Radio. Well, that was 1981, I believe. And our manager at the time, Alan Shapiro, brought that song to us. And it was written by, if I remember, a guy named Franklin McCary. And the band, the Bella Bands at the time, was me and Jim Armstrong, Mark Ward, Chris Farmer, a very young Chris Farmer. And uh, our drummer was Danny DeHart. And he brought, we thought it was a very catchy song. So uh, we... We, I think we recorded a version of it out in Woodland Hills out here in the valley in a little home studio somewhere. I just barely remember it. But it sounded like a hit, you know. Not that we thought it was going to be a hit or anything. We, had no, you know, we weren't fooling ourselves. We just thought it was a cool song. So I think Chris sang it, did a great job on it. More than that, I cannot add. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. That's yeah. 81. That's all. Uh, do the math. How long have I known? That's 36 years ago? Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. No, wait. I mean, you can't tell me something about 36 years ago? Come on. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> no. What? Okay. <laughs> 36 minutes ago. <laughs> so, sympathetic vibrations. So, take us back to what? which of the 11 tracks is the oldest? Wow. That's a good question, dude. Uh, the oldest would be. The oldest would be. Number eight. Pretend it isn't there. And and how far does that go back? What year was that written? I think the original version of whatever whatever that song became started in the late eighties. I would say eighty eight, around then. Okay. You've been involved in a lot of projects. You've worked with a lot of different artists. 
how was it for you to to select just these 11 tracks to make this collection? I mean, what what did you end up having to kind of leave off that that's, that's just still sitting there that you kind of... How many tracks did you have to just kind of say, well, these are my favorites, I'm going to leave these over? Oh, man, I don't know. I just, there's tons of... Of the ones that are completed, there probably aren't a whole lot of actual completed ones that I would consider finished. There was one in particular that I left off, two, two that I left off at the last minute, that I just wasn't right with at that point. I just still needed to work on more and didn't have time to do it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we already had 17 songs on it, so... Yeah, yeah. Had to save something for volume two. <laughs> no, there weren't, there weren't many. There weren't many songs that I would consider completed or near enough. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked uh, Love Will Arrive, and I was hoping you could give me some background on that song. Ah, uh, it's an interesting little background, which I was, I was wondering whether any listeners would be able to figure this one out. But the basic track for that was recorded for the show Full House as the theme to the fictitious talk show on their Wake Up San Francisco that uh, Saget hosted on the show, Danny Tanner hosted, mm-hmm. along with uh, uh, Lori Lachlan. Wake Up San Francisco. So the basic track was that. And I thought, God, that sounds like a record. So I you know, I expanded it into a real song. That's where that came from. That would have been about 19... 19- 90, maybe something like that. Interesting. Okay. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't turn into level arrived till many years later. And the years later, when the when the kind of the vocal edge of it, the lyrical concept came up. What you know, what what was the motivation behind that, and where did you derive? You know, came up with those ideas. It was kind of from the from the, from the viewpoint of like a. a a young fella just waiting for love to appear on his doorstep, just hoping it, hoping it will arrive. You know, okay. there was no. I can't think there's any particular relationship that I was in at the time that was mm-hmm. or aspiring to be in. Okay. I don't think so. I think it was okay. just uh, kind of a generic "I want to be in love" song. I got you. Got you. Um, I also like uh, "Too Long to Wait." Um, that that's the that's the newest song on there to be completed. It was just finished a few months ago, right before the record came out. Okay. And t- that goes back. Yeah, that one, I don't know how far back that started, but it was just a musical idea I had that I finally turned into a complete song only in recent years. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when, when you're coming up with an idea for a song, I mean, it, it's like you gave me the, the Love Will Arrive example where you had penned the track for the, the Good, Good Morning San Francisco thing. So I sense that sometimes some of the things that you get are kind of, for lack of a better word, assignments. And then other times you you kind of just create on your own. And so to, to just talk to me a little bit about the difference between where you're you're kind of, okay, I'm, I know that I'm creating something for a specific idea. How How is that different when you just kind of sit down and create yourself because you're you're kind of letting your you know you're letting your creativity kind of i don't know the the energy of creativity kind of comes through you and so what what chords do you kind of usually work in and and how did that affect this track uh it's been uh, too long to wait specifically yeah i think i 
think my inspirations on that, on those chord changes were Todd Rundgren and Stevie Wonder, believe it or not. I don't know if you really hear that, but I think that's what I was thinking of, especially the, the bridge sounds like Stevie Wonder chain, chord changes to me. Yeah, that song was an isolated, that wasn't written for any particular application anywhere. I just, I saw mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I think those are my inspirations, if I remember right. people to and say you know check this out this is uh this this is interesting in its own way that it's you know distinctive it's got its own i mean what what well of the of the ones with of the ones with vocals i mean excluding the cover songs the last six but uh the ones from the the original songs far and away my my personal preference is pretend it isn't there which i'm really really nuts about I just love what happened on that record and it was that one was totally trying to capture a Philadelphia 70s Philadelphia vibe the spinners whatever you know all that whole thing Teddy Pendergrass all that stuff 
So that's what that was all about. And that's the one that's the one I really like the most. I love them all though, but that one. And my friend Nita Whitaker sang with me on that one and she's so good. She's good. This is I've done three records with her. I've produced three records for her and she's just an excellent, excellent.
Hi, this is Brian Wilson, and you're listening to Good Vibrations with Beach Boys Podcast with David Beer. And on the collection, what would you say is your most personal song? Lyrically, I mean, or 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 instrumentally. You yeah, got lyrically and instrumentally. But what is? Well, it's hard. To, it's hard to convey. It's hard to explain why something instrumentally would mean the most to me. But the song, there's two songs: uh, Harvest Gypsies and Church with the Bell Fell Down. Number two and number eleven. Those two come from uh, the probably the deepest spot for me. Whatever that means. Those, those two. And 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 why is that? I mean, you. So I, I don't know. I have no idea. Just I don't know. I don't know. Just those okay. notes. Put those notes together, and that's me. And lyrically, either I wanted you to know or pretend it isn't there, because they they kind of say once the first, the earlier songs are, are kind of a celebratory about love, mm-hmm. which is fine. But. Yeah, and now the bonus covers that you did, and I and I really enjoyed listening to you this of I'll Follow the Sun. It just really kind of. Uh, you conveyed it with instruments without the words. And I guess it helps that I've heard the you know the vocal version, the regular version. But um, sure. uh, you know you do get the sense that's that's what I that's what I kind of enjoyed about this collection a lot is it it didn't rely on uh, vocal songs. It it just relied on it, it really does a really good job of uh, com- you know, communicating your gift, your ability, and your kind your style. And I, f- I really felt like I'll Follow the Sun came out, your, your style came out, because it's an adaptation um, of a Beatles song without words. And I just thought you did it. I mean, I really liked that. And I also appreciated the, um, the nuance, I guess nuances is the right word, um, the, yeah. the, the way that the songs set one another up. Really? I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's not a standard... Uh, collection of songs. It's such a, it's kind of a variety of different sounds and influences. So that's kind of what I ended up really appreciating about it the most. Is it kind of really it segues well and it, you know, it it does a really good job the way it's sequenced in communicating your uh, your style. Because again, it doesn't doesn't lean heavily on any particular one thing. It shows the wide range of what you can do. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how many people can quite do this, and that's that's kind of the thing that I think. I think it's amazing that you know we go to the us fans. We go to Beach Boy shows or Brian shows or whatever it is, and we see you know we see you guys on stage performing, and it's just like it sounds good. So we just take for granted that it's easy, and uh, mm-hmm. it isn't. And so that's that's kind of the thing I really uh, like about your CD is this. It's kind of like a, a physical kind of demon. It's it's like a demon. It's just you know. In the old days, there was demonstration records. It's what it is. It's kind of like your resume on a CD. Like an audio resume. Yeah, and it's it's really cool. So I really and, and I liked hearing Boyd on "My Name Is Jack." That was you know, I was <laughs> a surprise. Huh? It is a surprise. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everybody knows Alan Boyd. So talk about working with Alan. Oh, I've I've, I've known Alan for a long time, and I was just I'm, I'm amazed at how musically talented he is. I mean, he does so many other things that you wouldn't think that music would be uh, near the top of the list of his real strong abilities, but he's great. I love his voice. His voice was perfect for this song because it kind of has a little childlike sound to it, innocence. And I thought he did a great job on it. So I, I can't remember what year. He might be able to remember what year we did that, but it was a few years back. Okay. 
few years back. That's just, uh, I don't know if you know what that is, but it's an old record by uh, Manfred Mann, written by John Simon, and uh, it was a record, it was a single by Manfred Mann. It was not a hit at all, but for some reason, way back when it came out, I heard it and I loved it. I thought, man, this is a great little song. So, you know, for whatever reason, I said, oh, let's, let's re-record it. <laughs> okay. And I like I liked Alan singing it better than me singing it, so that's how he got the gig. My name is Jack and I live in the back of the Greta Garbo home With friends I will remember wherever I may roam And my name's Jack and I live in the back of the Greta Garbo home For wayward boys and girls We all love Jack and we live in the back of the Greta Garbo home For wayward boys and girls There goes Fred with his hands on his head Cause he thinks he's heard the bomb And here comes Superman Who really puts it on It's lots of fun and I love to run Up and down the stairs I make as much noise as I want And no one ever cares about the song Forever that he worked on and recorded with John Stamos for the television show Full House. And as and the song, then they recorded different versions, he'll tell you about that, and how it ended up on the Beach Boys' 1992 Summer in Paradise album. Well, 
I knew the chronology of which versions we did there of that song first, because we did, we've done s several versions of Forever on Full House. We did a wedding, a, a, a wedding reception string quartet version of it. We did, and then the band Jesse and the Rippers did a Raider Old Rock video of the song. It came about because John just loves that song. He loves Forever. So that became Jesse and the Rippers kind of fictitious hit record. And so, probably the first thing we did, we produced a, a regular big old rock video of it. And of that version of it that we cut, we cut that with Lanny Cordola and the Beach Boy. And who sang on Mike sang on it? Carl? Yeah. Al, and I think Bruce. Gosh, I can't remember. Um, so they sang on it, and they seemed to really like what we did. So. They want. They said, "Hey, we want to add this to our Summer in the Par Summer in Paradise album." Like, oh, wow! Really? <laughs> That's fantastic. So, as a result, you know, Lanny and I and John got a production credit for producing the song on a Beach Boys record, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a lot of fun with that song. You know, I don't think people thought we were being crazy, but we did a rap version of it. I don't know if you ever heard that. No. We did. We did probably three or four different versions of it. Because in the storyline, Jesse and the Rippers were struggling to have a hit record, and they kept being influenced to uh, try different styles of music. So at one point, they said, "You got to do rap. You got to do rap." So we did a rap version of "Forever." It was hilarious. Just I'll have to dig up the audio of it and play it for you because it's so great. It's so. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've got. So, uh, that's how that came about, and wound up being on "Summer in Paradise," which was an honor. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think the um, the Full House audience that enjoyed it, you know, really enjoyed it. Really see, really enjoyed seeing the Beach Boys on there, and Carl was in the the video and all that. Um, I think that, and I have the I have the promo CD, um, the John, the Forever promo CD, John Stamos with the Beach Boys, and on the back of that, there's three different versions: the AC, the adult contemporary mix. I guess the CH, CHR, what is the Contemporary Hit Radio? Is that? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then the Forever 3 is just the regular, it's just a CD mix. Um, so, I guess, uh, do you remember having, uh, I know this is a ways back, but do you remember having any conversations with John just about, or in general, maybe not at this time specifically, but John's love for the song Forever and maybe the Sunflower album or what you're, I mean, because you worked with John a lot and particularly on this song, you know, his love for Dennis's music and, and this song. Yeah, he loved Dennis's music. I'm trying to remember how much more of Sunflower he knew. I don't, we can't, I don't really remember specifically, except for the uh, Dennis's song Slip On Through. We both love that one. Of course, I love the whole album, but I'm a geek. But I don't know what all John knew about the rest of the record. It just loves forever. I mean, it's a wonderful song. It's a fantastic song. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I don't remember first discussing that song with him. Or what I don't remember the genesis of it. It's just something that always existed. Everybody always loves that song. Mm -hmm. so, I, I, I don't remember any conversation that said, hey, we're going to do it on, for, on Full House. This is going to be authentic. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe you would remember that. And um, when, when uh, did you guys record it right there at your place? 
what the, no, 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 we did that, uh, we did that at a studio in Santa Monica where Terry Melcher was working on the rest of Summer in Paradise. We did some of it there. We did the track at, uh, I want to say, Ocean Way in Hollywood, possibly United Western. So from from this perspective of working with John in studio, so you were there, you did the track. I, can, I don't know if John would have been there for that, but when you get to the point where you're doing this vocal recording, so were the vocal recordings separate and then they did the staged video again, or was that all on the same day? Do you remember? Oh, no, the video was later. The video mm-hmm. was a production of the show itself. Okay, yeah, okay. And we went up to, we went up to somewhere up... Uh, Canyon country up here, some some movie ranches shot it up there. Okay. You'd already worked with John, you'd already been on the television show, and I think he was involved with some of the Bel Air Bandit stuff, too, so it's not like this was the first time that you worked with him. What What is your impression of John singing a song that you knew he felt a personal connection with, and how he performed in terms of the just, not the video or anything like that, but just from the recording standpoint? Oh, he did a great job on it. He captured the whole vibe of it perfectly. Uh, I think he identified with Dennis. He never met Dennis, of course, but he kind of identified with him pretty well. They would have been two peas in a pod, those two. So he he captured Dennis's vibe really well. But he did great. Yeah, I think that's important to hear. I mean, you had met Dennis, so I you know you knew Dennis, so I think that's I think uh, it's kind of you're the guy who who kind of worked with both of those two. So I think that your your perspective on this, in particular, is is very relevant. Dennis and John were they were similar. They were similar guys. You had worked on seventy eight on MIU, obviously. So, you know, how was this uh, different from from that experience with with doing something this way that ended up on a television show? Well, MIU is a real really a Beach Boys project that everybody was present for and you know so I got to see the inner workings of the Beach Boys themselves in creating those tracks Full, you know forever for Full House was our own kind of became our own production that was then brought back into the Beach Boys world you know we cut the track pretty much on our own mm-hmm. and then it went on the Beach Boys record so but they weren't so involved other than singing background vocals on it Mm-hmm. It was just one one afternoon session, but the MIU album is a real production that where I really got to feel involved with the Beach Boys, okay. its creators. Yeah. yeah, that was a great experience too.
Hi, this is Paul Von Mertens. You're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys podcast with David Beard. I hope you've enjoyed episode 20 and visiting with Gary Griffin. He's such a talented guy. I hope you get. I hope you give it. Pick up his Sympathetic Vibrations CD. It's definitely worth the the time and the money to get into it and dig into it. He's such a multi-talented guy. Now, unfortunately, Gary's Sympathetic Vibrations is not available digitally. You can find it on Amazon.com and also on eBay. Just type in Sympathetic Vibrations or Gary Griffin. You should be able to find it fairly easy. I want to tell you a little bit about the current edition of Endless Summer Quarterly as they sponsor the podcast. Uh, we just uh, mailed out the winter 2017 edition, which is a celebration of the 50th anniversary of the Beach Boys' Wild Honey album. The uh, magazine includes new interview with Mike Love on his Unleashed Love album. Gives you insight into the tracks and the recording process and who he worked with. We have a new interview with Brian Wilson. We catch up with Brian and what's going on with him and the fact that he's working now on a brand new rock and roll album that he plans to release in 2018. Also, there's several articles. Historian Peter Reamlinks writes a great article on Wild Honey history, followed by an, inter- an insightful and intri- a pretty cool interview with Brian's first wife, Marilyn Wilson Rutherford. Now, Marilyn and Brian, of course, are the parents of Carney and Wendy Wilson, who went on to Wilson Phillips fame. But Marilyn is just its such a sweet interview, and she, and she rarely gives interviews, and it's a really cool interview on the kind of the Beach Boys scene in 1967, because for those of you who don't know, by that time, the studio was moved to Brian's house off Bellagio, and they were recording in the house, and uh, it's a pretty fascinating article, uh, interview and in, in article in celebration of the Wild Honey album. And uh, sessionography by Craig Solowinski. There's also a really cool article by Philip Lambert. Uh, he's he's a really interesting author, and he gives pretty cool uh, kind of dynamic to the Wild Honey recordings and, and what you're listening to when you listen to that album. And if you haven't yet, earlier in the year, earlier in 2017, Sunshine Tomorrow was released. It's a two-disc set. It's got sessions and Wild Honey album and True Stereo for the first time. It's really warm. It's really incredible. It's revealing in that you get to hear the... You actually feel like you're in Brian Wilson's house sitting there in a chair watching the Beach Boys jam. It's pretty cool. And um, so be sure and pick up Sunshine Tomorrow. That's everywhere. iTunes, Amazon, you name it. And then also be sure if you're a vinyl collector, you got a turntable and you dig LPs, then you got to pick up Wild Honey LP and Stereo. Another great find in it that was released earlier this year as well. So be sure and pick those things up and, and look for uh, episode 21 of the Beach Boys podcast. Good Vibrations of Beach Boys podcast will be about the Wild Honey album and will feature uh, interviews with the guys behind the Sunshine Tomorrow and Wild Honey stereo mix package. And that will be, of course, Alan Boyd and Mark Lynette. So be ready for that. And the 50th anniversary, the official 50th anniversary of Wild Honey is December 18th, 1967, so it's just around the corner. In the meantime, head if you're on Facebook, head over to Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine. Be sure and like the page, and be sure and subscribe. Now, how do you subscribe? Very easy. Head to esquarterly.com. That's esquarterly.com. And when you get there, you'll see there's a landing page. There's a jukebox that starts to play music. Behind the jukebox is a palm tree that stretches up. At the top, there's some there's three signposts attached to the palm tree. At the very top, it says subscribe to the magazine. All you have to do is click 
on that image. It'll take you right to the page. It explains all the information on what you need to do. It's a really easy process. And uh, Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine is a 48-page digest size publication that will give you insight, interviews, firsthand. Uh, if you love the Beach Boys or love that umbrella of, or that music or that period, you're going to really enjoy Endless Summer Quarterly. And if you, while you're at the website, you should click on the back issues page two click on that button and you see all the back issues we've done everything on pet sounds where we interviewed mike and brian and al and bruce about pet sounds it's just you're not going to get these interviews anywhere else anywhere else it's the only place you're going to get them it's endless summer quarterly magazine direct access to your to these music legends and you have an opportunity to hear firsthand their memories their accounts of what happened when it happened and how it happened just can't beat it. And if you want to get a feel for what the publication's like, just listen to the last episode of uh, this podcast. Just head right over to episode 19 and listen to my interview with Mike Love. That'll give you an idea of this type of interview insight that you're going to get with Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine. So anyway, we'll see you real soon with episode 21. <laughs>